with Fresh's Handbook. Hello, welcome along to another episode of the Fresh's Handbook with me, Harry Briggs. And myself, Robin Sargeson. How are we doing today, Harry? We good? I'm good. I'm happy to be talking about a very serious problem in a bit more depth, which is learning to live away from home, uh, talking about mental health, uh, physical health, and um, your nutrition, cooking. We'll give you some tips uh, on a couple of good meals you could make at uni. Coming up. Three years now, and I think the most advanced meal I've done is sausages and mash. <laughs> a few times in certain modules where I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to pass this, I'm really struggling. One of my flatmates, who is usually, you know, in the kitchen, he caught, sort of just went closed off and went into his room. And it turned out that um, one of his grandparents had passed away. Honestly, don't buy the, like, the pancake mix where you add water. It's disgusting. It's rubbish. Don't do it. The Freshers Handbook Podcast with Harry Briggs and Robin Sargison. Now you're there in front of a washing machine, like what do all these settings do? How do I just tumble dry everything? Don't do that guys, it shrinks. <laughs> as some people learnt the hard way in first year, but we're here to give you all the tips and tricks you need, as well as a little bit of just general advice and discussion around it. So yeah, it's a Yeah, a new topic. report came out by the BBC earlier on this year in 2022 about the fact that one in four students suffer some form of loneliness in their first few years at university. And there was a university student mental health survey, which was done in 2020, uh, which found that one in five students has a current mental health diagnosis. It also found that half of the student surveys have experienced a serious psychological issue for which they needed professional help. And students in second and third year of university were a significantly higher risk than first years for feelings of worry, loneliness, substance misuse, and thoughts of self-harm. That's an interesting one for me. I thought it would have been uh, more first years were moving to live somewhere else for the, for the first time. I feel like with first year, especially if you're living in halls or private accommodation, mm. which is normally what you do, you're A, surrounded by a lot of people, and B, it's sort of the novelty of it's good, and also first year is... You're riding that way, aren't Yeah, you? you're riding that wave and also the work the work side of it is a bit easier in first year I'd say so if you get to grips with it in first year you can be going out and having fun and sort of distracting yourself and doing a lot of new things but then second and third year when say maybe you're in a house there's a few more problems and it's, it's harder friendships are getting different you're you're changing the people you're with and the workload suddenly becomes a lot more intense I think I do agree especially I think my our second year I don't know I found it I know the pandemic happened and so it obviously changed the way we did uni, but I found second year really, really tough in terms of just like the situation was a lot different from the, the I think first year is really optimistic and then second year is a bit more like it's very realistic. But also, yeah, you kind of lose that that shine that maybe university had to it in first year. I agree. I also think first year, most of the courses, it doesn't count for anything for your final degree. Yeah. Which means that you can have a good time, have a party. And as long as you pass your modules, you don't have to worry about actually the exams and the grades. Yeah, yeah. And then second and third year come around and it's like, oh, hang on a second. I'm actually here. and counting to, to, to my study. degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how you can take action to benefit your mental well-being. Mm. The best things to do. The best resources out there would you say 
Robin, you struggled at some points at university. Oh, d- definitely, definitely. I think um, there were there were a few times, especially in certain modules, where I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to pass this. I'm really struggling. We actually we both had to do an exam that ended up being open book, mm-hmm. and normally it's a closed book exam. And I was so stressed, even with it being open book, of like getting everything right. I don't know how I would have done it normally. Um, if it was closed book and I know a lot of people struggled with it this year that had to do it closed book uh, when they retook it so but there's there's been not only work-based things it's been social anxiety and especially when you move I think second year is that sort of flare-up where sometimes you think hey this has been great you go to second year but now when you're in a house you're very much more separate from everyone everyone does their own thing you you do end up sometimes having a bit more time to yourself so it's it's always good I'd say this is definitely my tip it's always good to find out what support services your university offers because all the student unions across the country they'll have their own plans the university themselves you'll have uh, the leader of your course you'll have student reps that you can talk to there's uh there was a, a somewhere set up in the library at our university they've got like a 24-hour safe space room now where you can just anytime day or night on the weekends it could be one in the morning you can go to this room and it's like a deliberate safe space and you can either be with people or just chill out by yourself and it's sort of taking yourself away from any situation where you wouldn't want to be in uh, there's there's charities available if you want to speak to people sometimes just reaching out and having a conversation with a friend or again these strange uh, a stranger from these charities like you think of Samaritans Student Mind, Mind yeah Mind Student Minds and then the Red Cross as well so there's it's definitely worth doing just a little five minute Google search what does my university offer in terms of student support services because a lot of the time like I just said to my lecturer or Someone I, I was working with, I was like, I'm, I'm really not having a good time with this. Can I speak to you? And literally, I had a 10-minute one-on-one chat with one of my tutors, and it immediately just eased that tension. And, and he said, he said, look, everything's okay. This is normal. Don't think you're going to fail this. There's, this is a common feeling that a lot of people have. And I think sometimes at uni when you're by yourself, you don't realize that everyone else can be feeling the same. So I think the more you speak up about it, that's the first step to take. I agree. I think it's um, worth saying that there is no harm at all in reaching out. And that I think everyone's different, but I think the best way to reach out is by talking to people you know and people you can confide in, Mm. whether that's calling your parents at at two in the morning because you're feeling lonely um, or whether you're speaking to your your flatmates that you're particularly close to or your friends from home who you've not seen in a while and you want to FaceTime. I think that can be great for your self-esteem and for your mental well-being. Yeah, I think... Most most of the people you talk to won't. They're not gonna like judge you or or think it's bad or, you know, like they're gonna be supportive. They're gonna be there to help you, and they're probably gonna understand it. And I think the thing was, I was I was speaking to a mate who wasn't at uni with me. He was he actually went to Oxford, so he was, he was doing like theology at Oxford. And I was like, oh, you must be having a great time there. Like I'm telling you about this, you must be like way above my pay grade. And he was like, I've got exactly the same like thing just with my course and certain things I'm doing so it's crazy how it doesn't matter where you are in the country what university you're at what course you're on a lot of them are very similar it's just then the the issues you're worried about is just that certain bit of work or that certain social aspect the freshers handbook 
I had a look online at some of the things that are most common, uh, mental health difficulties among students, and um, that involves managing stress, uh, change in pressure, um, and then there's the, there's the more serious mental ill health, such as uh, mood disorders, rate of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, self-harm and suicide are high among the student and recent graduate population. Um, that's according to prospects.ac.uk. I remember there was, a, there was a time in 2021 where I think there was like five or six student suicides within a couple of weeks across the country Which and it became a, it was really scary because it became a massive news story at the time and i know obviously the pandemic did, did just made everything worse for students because that that whole social aspect of university that can sometimes help carry you through the experience was taken away from people so i think it led to universities really thinking right we need to up our student support game because there's there was clearly a problem affecting people if that chain of events happened and the fact that it made national news i think it really sparked a change and added benefits to to student support services which is always needed i also think as uh, as a being a nice person <laughs> which i would like to say self-confessed nice guy as a self-confessed nice bloke um it's also your duty to reach out to others mm. uh, and to look after others if they're struggling so um if you see in certain people who are struggling um with their work uh, whether they're becoming more isolated, not looking after yourself themselves, maybe was, they've got problem problems with motivation, concentration. I was gonna say sometimes the problems don't hit you in the face. Like you can be living with someone and and not realize it until you like get them to open up. Like um, sometimes you like your your mate won't walk in and be like. Hello, housemate. I've got all these issues. Let me tell you about them. Sometimes it will be just they're spending more time in their room. They're skipping meals. They're not being sociable with the rest of you guys. Just there might be just little factors that you go. That's that's odd. They, I haven't seen them all day. They've just been in their room. So mm. even things like if you go to them and knock on their door, I go, you're all right. I haven't seen I haven't seen you in a few days. You've yeah, just been I can relate to that. That was that happened in me when I was uh, living at university once, and one of my flatmates who is usually, you know, in the kitchen, in the living area with us all the time mm. if he wasn't at uni itself. Um, and then all of a sudden, for a couple of days, he caught, sort of just went closed off and went into his room. And it turned out that um, one of his grandparents had passed away. And he starts sort of stuff that um, he's always good to just check up on people, knock yeah, on like the door. He, he wasn't and... going to walk in and announce no, to you all that sort of thing. Exactly. He sort of... Just knock on the door and go, are you all right, mate? And if they go, yeah, I'm fine, I'm just having a good time, you know, you just got to yeah, check. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't even have to be immediately, are you all right, tell me if you have any problems. It can be, are oh, you all right, mate, you want to go, you want to go to the shops? You do you want to go to Tesco? Do you want to go to Tesco? Yeah. Do you want to go to a pub? Do you want to go just do something? Because sometimes, sometimes you feel like either you run out of options or, oh, there's nothing to do, da, 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 this sort of thing. But you want to go for a walk? You want to go for a walk around town? Want to go for a walk around a park or something get out do things i think that leads on that from from our mental health discussion mental health can very much be benefit benefited by physical health as well 100 percent agree and, and i think I've, I've got a friend who's at uni in birmingham and he said something that he was really struggling with with mental health and his anxiety he started going to the gym regularly and he just said does it you don't have to go to the gym you can go for a walk every day just a bit of exercise regularly whether that be 
twice, three times a week or whatever you want, however many times you want to do it, is really beneficial and, and it's scientifically proven that exercise is good for your mental health. The, the experts say 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day can help. Yeah. I think that goes without saying that's massive. Mm. Even if that's just walking to big Tesco and back, enjoying the fresh air. Yeah, because you're either sat in, then then you end up being cooped sat, sat indoors all day. It just gives you a reason to, to go out and do something like a uh, very... Very uh, luckily for me and people around this uni, I think it'll be similar with lots of other unis across uh, the UK, that there'll be a gym there, there'll be oh, different sports. There's play for fun stuff. Like last year, I started going with my mate to play table tennis and badminton with him because he did this what once a week on a Thursday. And I was like, I don't play badminton, but I'll come and play table tennis and have a go at badminton. It's it's quite, it was just fun. It was something to do that wasn't just sitting around. One of the things I did in, in third year, just to get a bit more exercise, is I went to a local swimming, swimming baths. Oh, really? I, yeah, and uh, they had like a little student swim on. Fiverr. Yeah, yeah. Go with your mates. That's great. Fun. That's a great afternoon out. I, I I remember going to to be fair, different, slightly different but similar. We we went out uh, last year. Me and my house. We just went. Should we just um, get the bus to the local park with like a lake? And I had swimming trunks with me, and I was like. I'm going to go for a swim in the lake. <laughs> and I just ju- jumped in. Didn't contract any diseases. I'm thankfully. glad. I'm glad. <laughs> Another thing is making sure you're getting your eight hours sleep. Um, if you've got deadlines, if you're going out a lot. Sometimes if you're struggling to get a sleeping pattern, you can uh, take a turn. Trust me, I know many, many people that have just um, wrecked their sleeping pattern at uni. They'll be going to bed at 3, 4, 5 a.m., waking up at 2 in the afternoon. Or they'll be going to bed at 4 a.m. and then having to wake up for their 9 a.m. So they just won't be recharged enough. They won't be there. They're not mentally present. They're just sort of like drifting between lectures. And it doesn't help your education. It doesn't help your your social space, your happiness. So, And wh- this also draws upon the fact that alcohol is a depressant. Yes. So drinking responsibly and sensibly, especially when it's exam season, mm. is a good idea. Yeah. So if you are drinking... Try not to drink by yourself. Just try to make it a social thing so that I've, I've kind of made it in my head now that it was very easy before to just be there cooking dinner. Oh, there's a beer in the fridge. I'll have a beer now. But I've sort of set myself on it now. I will only have alcohol if I'm like with people doing a social thing where all of us are having alcohol or something like that or we're going somewhere. If it's just like today I'm going to go home, I'm going to have dinner or whatever, I'm just going to have like water or whatever and just not touch the alcohol that's in our fridge. And I think that is very important. You can you can just sort of feel like, well, it's 2 p.m., I've got nothing to do for the rest of the day, let's, let's start drinking. And it, it can sort of lead to a downward spiral. And I think the, the way you've, you've got to view it as well is that this is the time in your life where everything becomes available and like you're you're 18 you're allowed to do whatever you want so yeah you have that independence you can if you wanted to go down to the supermarket and buy alcohol and whatever you wanted and also nights out and that sort of stuff i think i think we have to sort of touch on the the temptation of drugs and stuff like that um i've been in nightclubs you go to the toilet and there's a guy in there just offering drugs to people and things like that and you've just got to make the decision of resisting these temptations that then you can then see people end up in massive debt depression sleeping pattern they ruin their university chances and they just start failing all because they're just getting hooked on going out and doing drugs every night and stuff like that another thing that i think is important is and this is one that i suffer with is it sounds crazy keeping your 
living space clean, yeah. hygienic and tidy. Especially if you're cooped up in a little hall's flat where you've only got one window and uh, it's, it's, you've got clothes all over the floor. Just taking that 10, 15 minutes to tidy it and open your window to get yeah. some fresh air it can be a game changer. Clean it, dust it. If, you, if, you've, if you've got Hoover in your flat, sometimes they leave um, like little Henry Hoovers in Uni Hall's flats. Honestly, I didn't realise it until I took a before and after photo of like sorting out my room. Good idea. And I was generally like, it just, it does, it just feels so much nicer when it's actually clean and you're on top of your stuff and there's not um, like books and paper and laptops or whatever just strewn about and your clothes are on the floor and you haven't done a wash and all that sort of stuff and your bathroom's a mess, etc. Make sure to keep your room clean, especially your bathroom as well. Have the right, because once you're, I, I'm definitely a, fa- a fan of that belief of like, if you wake up, you make your bed. It's the fir- you've got your first job done of the day. If you wake up and you just leave everything a tip, then it, it will reflect itself in your day. Completely agree. I try and make my bed every day. Doesn't mean it looks good, <laughs> but I do try and make it slightly. <laughs> Completely. So there are some of the ways you can look after your mental health um, at university. I think it's important, reiterating, check up on your friends mm. um, just to make sure that you're okay. Um, and then when it is exam season and um, when you're managing, sometimes if your finances are looking a bit bleak as well, coping with homesickness... That can also um, be a bit of a struggle. If you are struggling with your, your mental health outside of university, so even on top of that, you can speak to people from the Samaritans, uh, your GP, uh, family and friends, of course, and charities such as uh, Mind and uh, Student Mind and Mental Health Foundation. Those are good ways to get involved. The Freshers' Handbook Podcast with Harry Briggs and Robin Sargison. If you don't have a lot of time, some of the good things you can do is just sort of like make a cup of tea, mm. um, text a friend from home, uh, just little stuff like that. Take a quick walk, listen to listen to some of your favourite songs. Just like little stuff. Can, I do uh, believe music music can be such a great mood lifter and like motiv- motivator as well. I definitely say don't get hooked on um, spending all your time doom scrolling on your phone on social media and stuff like that. I feel like it's easy just to sit down and go, all oh, right, I'm just gonna take a five minute break. And then suddenly half an hour's passed and you've checked everything on Instagram and you're stuck on the For You page on TikTok, just like wasted your time away, just going video after video. So there it is try and try and give yourself that time after you after you work. Try and keep your phone and your social aspects separate from your work, which I found really helped when it got to my deadlines okay. and stuff so like that. Did you turn it off and put it away or Yeah, I just had it on Do Not Disturb in in like my bag or in my pocket and then I was just using like Spotify to play music on my computer and so it meant I literally had no reason to pick up my phone and then like my if my parents were ringing or whatever they they knew I was working and stuff and I'd just ring them in the evening and that sort of thing. A good thing you can do is leave your phone downstairs. Yeah, just in a separate room or just yeah, if you're if That's you're hard though. Mm, Leave it in your bedroom and go work in the lounge or something <laughs> where, where your flatmates can see you and then just be like, if I go get my phone, judge me. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. Okay, so we've spoken a little bit about uh, mental health and um, it's also worth saying that a great way to look after your physical well-being is by joining clubs and societies and we've got a full episode about the stuff you can get involved with outside of a university course within this podcasting series. The Freshers' Handbook. 
A good way to look after your mental well-being and physical health is by getting a lot of nutrition inside of you. Mm. And that involves cooking. Always always fun, I think, finding your, your inner chef, your inner Gordon Ramsay no, I've not got. I've not got this inner chef in me. <laughs> Oh, you've not seen Ratatouille? Three, Anyone can cook, mate. Three years now, and I think the most advanced meal I've done is um, sausages and mash. <laughs> and I did put it in one of those massive Yorkshire puddings once. Oh, that's sick. Well, uh, nice. I've, I've never had a massive Yorkshire pudding, to be fair. Uh, but I think the best one I did, I'm still proud of this, nine of us in first year, I we, we planned out, we did a ha- uh, flat roast uh, Christmas dinner. Nice. We did a roast Christmas dinner. We just got two t- um, two chickens from Tesco. We got like all the roast potatoes, loads of veg, stuffing mix, gravy, Yorkshire's. And what saved us is because we had a flat of nine in uni, we had two ovens and two hobs. So we had like room to do everything. I think otherwise it would have been really hard to do. I remember in second year, my flatmate tried cooking roast pork for us on a Sunday and she was like, right, I've got nothing to do. My work's all done. I'm going to go out. We're going we're gonna to do a roast dinner. We're going to do roast pork and we'll make it. And she goes to um, check on the Yorkshire puddings because obviously she's heated the oil up to pour her batter in. Right. She opens the oven and what happens when you have oil and oxygen goes in? flames start oh, coming no. out of the oven That's and all dangerous. I see, all I see is she just pulls the oven open and fire comes out of it <laughs> and I'm Very just like dangerous. oh no this is not good as she shuts it and I'm like are we all okay yeah or is the oven on fire the oven was not on fire everything was okay no houses were burnt in the making of this podcast good, I'm <laughs> glad when I was in second year we lived in flats flats of three and uh, we got friendly with the flat below us. And uh, I think it was Christmas time. We cooked a Christmas dinner. And because we only had like one little oven each, we used both ovens. Are you running up and, and down? And we were running up and flat. down the stairs. Who's bringing the Yorkshire puddings up out? Which, which one were the potatoes in? Which one? You've got to have a schedule as well. So you've got to know when everything's like going in and being put on. And oh. I think, think I was the designated washer upper on that. That's so. that. See, if you can't cook, guys, cook with someone who can cook and just offer to wash up. Yeah. But then actually do wash up. <laughs> <laughs> don't just offer wash up. Off wash up. Don't no. do it. Um, another good one. I think I think you've done this. Come Ooh. dine with me, uni uni style. I don't know if you ended up doing this, but someone. Oh, we didn't in the end. Yeah, we you going to. see. This is why you. I got to get done. Um, it's sort of yeah. Just pair up and cook for people and just rotate it every night. If there's six of you, do 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 three nights in a row where two of you cook for the other four. And uh, it's, it's just, I think, the more fun and entertaining you can make cooking, the better your food will be, the better nutrition it will be. So if you if you see cooking is, right, that's going to be half an hour of my evening where I'm going to have fun, do something, listen to music while I do it or whatever, instead of, oh, I'm just going to whack a pizza in the oven and just eat that, or I'm just going to have a sandwich and chips. And it's good to actually like cook, I find. I think also the you don't want ready meals. I'd say stay away from the ready meals. Oh, I'm a sucker for a ready yeah, meal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think like you don't want to eat too week, much fast food. Either. Yeah, fast food ready. I think just the more fresh stuff. Obviously, I'm not saying go to Waitrose and buy like the best things money can buy because obviously we're budgeting. But I think there's great. You can still cook food for cheap if you just plan out your weekly shop and you know what you're going to get. And you're like, right, if I buy a, pa- a bag of pasta that's like a pound, but it's got like five six portions of pasta in it that'll do me for like two three weeks 
Can I ask you a question? Go for it. What are your opinions, going back to the mental health and bringing in the nutrition element, what are your opinions on looking at calories on food when you buy them? See, this is the thing now. Do you think that's a good thing to do or a bad thing to do? It goes both ways because obviously we've got to be conscious of eating disorders and the way um, you, you can end up getting too obsessive over calories, over certain things. I think you just have to say everything in moderation. Because I never look. No, I, I'm a sucker for looking now. I'll buy a sandwich because it says it's 20 calories less than the other sandwich. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I bought a chicken and stuffing one instead of a chicken and bacon one the other day in, in Tesco because it, it was like slightly less calories or whatever. And, and sometimes I do that. And then I was going to have a ham and cheese sandwich and then it had like three reds on it. You know, on like the red, green and yellow mm. thing for like the saturates or whatever, that's girl, whatever. Yeah, yeah yeah so it had like three reds so i was like oh, i can't buy that it's got red on it no it's bad but it, it's hard um to say oh yeah it's great that the calories on it because you can end up getting too obsessive but i think don't plan your meals out in terms of calories but if you're going out and doing something like that if you're say you're going to go get a, a meal deal for lunch and that sort of thing if you want to instead pick the the 50 percent less fat crisps say right like the the baked ones instead of the fried ones or if you want to do a diet coke instead of a normal coke that sort of thing i'm I'm fine with that but i think calories on everything now is is a bit crazy because then you don't feel like you can treat yourself anymore the freshers handbook before we go we want to give you a couple of meals which you could potentially think about making uh when you're starting uni you want to get into the yeah. cooking world these are basic easy meals which uh, you can try out that uh, can be somewhat challenging if you've never cooked before but it can be enjoyable and hard to get wrong yeah but my girlfriend did get this meal wrong <laughs> when she burnt the peppers so uh, just peppers. be careful um but this is it um shall i run you through the ingredients robin yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know I, I i feel like tell me the ingredients and i'll guess what it is okay that's a good <laughs> idea six tablespoons of tandoori masala powder right i think you know straight away what it is um four teaspoons of ginger paste 500 grams of pot coconut yogurt four onions two peppers one and a half kilograms of skinless chicken thigh one and a half kilograms how many, how many are you making this for how many does oh it no say? it's one quarter of a kilogram <laughs> i was like how many kilograms of chicken are you putting in this <laughs> it's, it's one load of a quarter of kilograms <laughs> that, that's the whole farm mate you put in that <laughs> one tablespoon of olive oil uh two to three tablespoons of hot chili powder Ooh. 680 millilitres of jar passata, 160 millilitres of canned coconut cream, rice and naan bread to serve. In a very large bowl, mix half the spice mix, one tablespoon each of the pastes, three quarters of the yoghurt and some salt. Stir in the onion and make them into wedges, the peppers, uh, which you can cut into large chunks, and the chicken, which we're also cutting into large chunks, then leave to marinate overnight in the fridge. Step two is fry the chopped onions in the oil until really soft. Add the remaining spice mix and pastes, the coriander stalks, uh, if you want to, and chilli powder. Cook for one minute, then stir in 100 millilitres of water and the passata. Simmer for 15 minutes and add the coconut cream and remaining yoghurt. Leave chunky or blitz with a blender. You might not have a blender, yeah, so yeah. I'd leave chunky. Uh, and step three, you heat your oven to uh, 200, uh, cent, uh, 200 degrees Celsius on the fan. Spread the chicken and veg on a baking tray. Roast for 15 to 20 minutes until it's cooked and slightly charred. 
tip into the sauce and then you can serve with your rice, your naan, your extra yogurt and your coriander leaves. Sounds like a great curry. It sounds like a banging curry. It takes about 20 minutes to prep, 50 minutes to cook and overnight marinating if you desire. Yeah, but then you think about that. That's using all fresh ingredients. If if you are cutting, if you're cutting down or trying to cut costs, there's there's easier, uh, there's there's probably easier ways. If you're low on time, you could buy a jarred sauce and exactly. just do it like that. So there are ways to student fight student fight even more. If you really really are worried about, I cannot cook at all. There's there's ways there's always ways to make recipes slightly easier and slightly more complicated if you want more time to cook, for example. And I'm also quickly going to do you a dessert, uh, and you'll need this primarily for one specific Tuesday on your given uni ah, term, yes. where you will end up having to Google how to make them. Yeah, and that is. Pancakes. pancakes. I don't do the cop out of using the pancake mixer. No, don't buy pan. Oh, yeah, don't I buy that one. You add from scratch. Trust me, guys. As someone who ended up doing pancake day, where I went to three different houses and cooked pancakes for everyone, <laughs> I just went around doing the same recipe. Honestly, don't buy the like the, the pancake mix where you add water. It's disgusting. It's rubbish. Don't do it. Here goes: 125 grams of plain flour, one egg, 300 mils of milk. And then vegetable or sunflower oil for That's frying. so cheap as well, like flour, an egg, and some milk. I recommend getting these ingredients a little time before pancake day because there will be a run on them. Uh, tip one, uh, method number one, uh, to make the batter, sift the flour with a pinch of salt into a large bowl, make a well in the center, pour in the egg, and slowly whisk in enough milk to make a soothed batter. The consistency of pouring the cream uh, is very important. Rest for at least 20 minutes. Mm. Uh, then heat about a 28 centimeter crepe pan Heat your biggest pan, biggest flat pan, I'd say. Or a smaller, heavy-based frying pan over Mm. a medium heat. And then when it's hot, dip some kitchen paper in the oil and wipe across the surface of the pan. That's a good technique, That's a good one, yeah. I didn't know that. I was using Fry Light, so I was, like, just spraying it. Yeah. Add a small full of uh, of batter and tilt the pan to swirl the batter evenly and thickly. Mm That's basically putting all your spread on, isn't it? Yeah. Then uh, wait for one to two minutes until the pancake is golden underneath. And then here's the important bit. Loosen the pancake with a knife first. Actually, I would Around the edge? Yeah, I'd say if you've got like a spatula or something like that, run it around the edge. Because sometimes knives can like scrape on the pan. So if if you've got a spatula or uh, anything that can just slide under, then you're ready. Because then you can use it to assist the flip. And then once you've done that, you can start trying to actually flip it. And then you're going to flip it over and cook it for a further minute on the other side until it's golden. But don't try and throw it in the air and it lands on the ceiling and it sticks to the ceiling because you won't get your deposit back you won't get your deposit back on that (laughs) and then you can serve your pancake with a few lemon wedges to squeeze over and sprinkle with caster sugar no I'm not a lemon and sugar guy you're not lemon and sugar I never never got the appeal of lemon on pancakes I'm here with the Fanta lemon but like lemon on pancakes is is alien to me but put whatever you want on it you can do breakfast pancakes you put bacon on it you put maple syrup on it you can put your chocolate spread you can put literally any spread, cream, ice cream, sauce, go wild. I'm a sucker for a bit of lemon and sugar, but put, I, I can't put do Marmite on it. If I you can't want. do Nutella. Can't do Nutella. It's too too thick. Yeah, yeah. I, you could. Oh, do you know what's a good one? Biscoff. What? Bis- you not have Biscoff? Well, that's gravy, isn't it? No, you're thinking of Bisto. <laughs> Biscoff is gravy like on my pancake. you know, like Lotus biscuits. Oh. Like, you get sometimes you get them like in hotels and stuff. Where you, they yeah. Have a, they do like a spread of it, and it's like a, it's a spread that tastes of like 
digestives. It's really nice. <laughs> Before all this turns into a cooking podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are going to have to wrap up there. Um, there's the so fre- many... Wait, the Freshest Cookbook. Oh. <laughs> Come on. That's what this episode's going to be titled. Right, the Freshest okay. Cookbook. It's going to be, yeah, there's so many ways to look after your mental well-being and your physical well-being as well. We'll drop mm. some links into the description of, uh, of good websites to visit if you need any support or help. And do not feel afraid to reach out um, for any help at all. Hey, re- reach out to us if you want. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I would happily answer any questions that people have about Reach out to Robin because he doesn't have a busy diet. No, I've got loads of free time now. I'm unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Right, you know what to do by now. Uh, Just keep listening and your next episode will play into your ears at normal 1.0 speed time. Unless you increase the speed ratio (laughs) to two times. And we'll be talking really fast like this. (laughs) Take care. The Freshers' Handbook Podcast with Harry Briggs and Robin Sargison. The Freshers' Handbook was brought to you by Jano Media in partnership with the Centre for Broadcasting and Journalism Department at Nottingham Trent University. It was recorded and mixed by me, Harry Briggs, with assistance from Sassy Clyde in conjunction with the Jano Media Award at Nottingham Trent University, providing fresh postgraduate students with a chance to create a fully costed short podcast series.